two suicide attacks in Pakistan, one on Saturday and one today, targeted political rallies in the lead-up to parliamentary elections on February 19th. Violence has escalated since the assassination of former Prime Minister Benazir Bhutto in December. Investigators from Scotland Yard just concluded that Bhutto was killed as a result of a head injury from the force of a suicide bomb blast. Bhutto's supporters and party members are adamant that she was killed by a bullet to the neck. They blame incumbent dictator Pervez Musharraf for her death. Pakistani officials arrested two more suspects in connection with her death. Meanwhile, the Army Chief of Staff, General Ashfaq Pervez Kayani, has announced that the Army will have no role in the upcoming electoral process except to maintain law and order. Kayani took over from Musharraf's post two months ago and has begun to reverse some of his predecessor's policies, including recalling military officers who were installed in many influential civilian posts. Still, because of the ongoing suicide attacks, an atmosphere of fear has pervaded the election with candidates nervous about appearing in public to campaign. Additionally, a new poll found that the majority of Pakistanis expect massive election rigging on February 19th. My guest is Shahid Mahmood. He is a former editorial cartoonist for Dawn, which is a national newspaper in Pakistan. He is now internationally syndicated with the New York Times Syndicate. Welcome to Uprising, Shahid. Hi, Sonali. Thanks very much for joining us today. Oh, you're welcome. First, what is your opinion of the um, results and the conclusions by Scotland Yard regarding the cause of Benazir Bhutto's death? You know, there's uh, so much intrigue in Pakistan. You never really know what is happening. Um, there's, there has always been this total lack of any transparency in um, not only the politics, but sort of in the social fabric in terms of how information gets disseminated from the top and how um, people actually hear of it. Um, you know, there's always been speculation. It's almost part of the the, um, the cultural makeup. Uh, you know, when Zia was assassinated, the, the previous uh, military uh, martial law administrator in the 80s, along with the American ambassador, that was another case that was never really resolved. And, uh, you know, there's been rumors about how that uh, how that happened and whatnot. Um, and I think Benazir's death is just the latest uh, story to sort of fulfill that. Um, Do you attribute the ongoing violence primarily to her assassination, or is it more complicated than that? Um you know, when I was a cartoonist in Pakistan, um, you know, I, I, I was drawing both under uh, uh, General Zia when he was the martial law administrator, and then when Benazir came to power, I uh, was also drawing in uh, stints of Nawaz Sharif when he was there, and the violence was always there. Um, the violence has been there since uh, the Cold War, where um, Pakistan and the U.S. and sort of uh, uh, Western powers were funneling large amounts of money into that region to secure it from the Soviets. And uh, as a result, this, this vast channeling of money into a country and an area that has such large disparities between the rich and the poor created a huge um, social um, anomaly and problem for for the people. And, uh, you know, I, I believe that this is just 
a carry-on from that in the sense that you have people who want to make money. They use religion as a vehicle to, to corrupt people's minds. And um, it's really, uh, in the end, a power struggle for these various groups. Hmm. So whether it's Benazir or non-Benazir, whether she's alive or whether she's dead, I think this is just uh, sort of the playing field in Pakistan and in that whole region. What about the elections that are uh, coming up within the next couple of weeks? Do you have any hope that uh, they could signal change? Before Benazir was assassinated, a lot of people were sort of skeptical. Uh, some had hope. Some others were interested in boycotting the race. Uh, and uh, it seems as though now, of course, the election, a lot of Pakistanis expect it to, uh, to be a stolen election, to, for there to be massive voter fraud. Is there any uh, optimism that you hold? Not really. Uh, <laughs> sorry to be such a pessimist, but you know, you you sort of look at um, you know um, you look at Benazir as 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 an individual. Um, you know, Scotland Yard came in and they assisted in the uh, investigation. And they recently came up with a report saying that it was actually a concussion. Now. You know, people can read whatever they wish into that. Um, you know, PPP supporters um, say that uh, it was a biased report, even coming from Scotland Yard. And wasn't the intention for Musharraf to have Scotland Yard be there as an independent investigator to, to essentially clear his name and provide some sort of independent veneer to, to, uh, to the investigation? Exactly. I mean, there, there's obviously an agenda on every part. And this you know, this is sort of what harks back to your original question. There's, there's always some sort of conspiracy behind, uh, behind the results of anything that is done in Pakistan, and it, it, it makes for a climate that is totally prime for uh, somebody like myself, like a political cartoonist, because you can sort of critique things on so many different vantage points, and. The funny thing is nothing nothing is right and nothing is wrong because nobody really knows anything. And I think this will hold true for the elections. I mean, um, you know, supporters of Pakistan's um, uh, PPP party. That's will, B- Bhutto's party. Uh, yeah, exactly, Bhutto's party. They they will they will always um, you know unless one of their people become the next prime minister, there will always be an issue. There will always be. That uh, that little niggling at the back of their head that well we didn't achieve or we did not get that many seats because it was rigged and as a result uh, you know the country will spiral into violence and this will pertain to every political party that uh, will not um, uh, achieve its um, pre premeditated goals. Now, the Pakistan People's Party is expecting a strong so-called sympathy vote uh, in the elections, you know, putting aside the fact that they may be, or the strong um, suspicion that they may be, that the election may be rigged, the PPP expects a sympathy vote uh, in the aftermath of Bhutto's assassination. Uh, Do you think that they could come off uh, doing fairly well um, because of this? And also, what is your opinion of uh, Bhutto's 19-year-old son being um, uh, sort of, uh, you know, uh, named as her successor? Um, well, again, I think uh, 
him being named was more of a um, sort of political move on Zardari's part, her her husband, mm-hmm. Asif Ali Zardari, who was actually, I believe, named as the successor. But he then, because he's such a divisive character in Pakistani politics, especially with his um, his alleg- uh, the allegations uh, of corruption, and he was known as Mr. 10% in the country because of uh, most of the deals that supposedly came through, he took a 10% cut. And he was very ironically named successor to the the uh, the Bhutto's fam uh, the the party the PPP. So having said that, I think it was very clever on his part to sort of diffuse that and sort of name the son the successor. But obviously he's too young, and uh, the power will reside with Ali Zardari. So it's just a symbolic thing for the for the boy to be. Exactly. Uh, it's more mm-hmm. of a, a boy king sort of mm-hmm. uh, uh, naming of uh, a successorship. But, you know, uh, Zardari of obviously uh, wields the power here, and he's also an extremely div- div- divisive character amongst the Bhutto clan. Um, Bhutto's uh, uncle, uh, Mumtaz Ali Bhutto, um, despises Zardari and um, believes that he is the, the reason for the split and the um, Putto family. I mean, all this speaks to a very um, unegalitarian, undemocratic means of um, getting involved in the political process. And it's, it, it's a real sham because, you know, we're talking here about the democracy, the democratization of the country, and here we have a party that is based on feudal values and... Uh, an extremely undemocratic way of electing members to the forefront. Hmm. I'll remind our listeners, I'm speaking with Shahid Mahmood. He is a former editorial cartoonist for Dawn, the national newspaper, uh, one of the national newspapers in Pakistan. He's now internationally syndicated with the New York Times syndicate. Let's talk about Kayani, General Kayani, who took over from uh, Musharraf as the chief of the army. He is being painted as a political moderate. He is, in fact, at least on the surface, undoing some of the harsh policies of uh, Musharraf that uh, used the army to dominate much of Pakistani social, uh, of Pakistani life, uh, and uh, he is also being seen as a potential successor to Musharraf in general, uh, perhaps even by the Americans. What do you make of Kayani? Uh, Kayani has, um, throughout, from what I know of him, uh, is somebody who has not necessarily been interested in politics. Um, uh, ironically, his rise to power, from what I know, has been uh, his investigations into the assassination attempts on Musharraf himself. And I, I, I believe that sort of uh, loyalty and and uh, trust was uh, ingrained at that point, and that's why we see him as the chief of army staff. Um, you know, all of this is its very interesting from a storytelling point of view because there's so many angles. You know, we can talk about things like irony and satire and, and ethos and, um, uh, you know, the people uh, being assassinated. It, it makes for a very sort of, um, if not Kafkaesque, sort of uh, fairy tale where people like cartoonists and editorialists can 
can write away, and um, people from various walks of life can um, can identify with these stories on uh, their political stances and what they see in these stories. Um, and I think Kayani is one of these characters. Uh, mm. You see somebody who's climbed the ranks based on his investigative uh, prowess, prowesses at uh, uncovering who was trying to kill Musharraf. And now, with Benazir dead, he is now chief of army staff. And there is another investigation into who is uh, who killed um, Benazir Bhutto. Um, the story goes on. Shahid, what about civil society? Uh, despite all of the conspiracies, despite the suicide attacks, the expected rigging, uh, there is a vibrant um, set of movements in Pakistan that, despite all odds, have been struggling to make their voice heard. Uh, among them, uh, uh, highest profile among them are, were the lawyers who walked out last year and who were arrested en masse, and also just in general human rights activists um, do they have any kind of a voice in these upcoming elections, and do they, uh, you know, is is there any kind of opening for them, if you will, in the coming months? Um, it, it's a good question. Um, you know, Pakistani society um, is is it can be a very sort of vocal entity, and uh, you know, the entity can be, like you said. Uh, uh, lawyers, they can be uh, uh, journalists. You know, we had uh, a story of a few years ago of Najam Sethi, who was the editor of the Friday Times, being imprisoned mm-hmm. um, and then released. You have uh, very prominent lawyers, Asma, uh, Asma Jahangir, and um, the likes of um, what we just saw recently with uh, lawyers being imprisoned, coming out and uh, staging protests and rallies. However, you have to sort of look at Pakistan, I think, in the context of how many, what is the percentage that these people actually make up of Pakistan's uh, society? I mean, they're actually a very small component of Pakistani society. The larger, uh, I mean, if you look at the country as a whole, 150 million people, and they say that only 28% is literate, what and who are these remaining millions of people who cannot read, who cannot write, who do not have access to social care, to um, hospitals, to education, to uh, equality in terms of uh, uh, women's rights? Right. Um, so, you know, Pakistan has a huge gap to 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 actually fill in, in um, addressing these needs. And unfortunately, these people are being used as um, as fodder. Um, I mean, these uh, these lawyers can speak as much as they want, but what really needs to be done is um, Pakistan needs to get rid of this whole feudal dynastic system, which is in place. Well, finally, Shahid, on that issue of those uh, masses in Pakistan who are poor, illiterate, uh, many of them reside in the tribal areas in Pakistan, the northwest frontier province, the, that area between uh, Pakistan and Afghanistan near the border is a very volatile region and could play a, a big role in the upcoming elections, but only a small number of them have been declared um, you know, normal, quote-unquote, for the election uh, in terms of security. 
there's a, there's a huge amount of deployment. Americans, uh, uh, you know, uh, run bombing raids. Uh, and the Pakistani army is is uh, almost uh, permanently deployed there. What is the role that the people of this region you think will play in the upcoming uh, elections? There's also a major influence from the Taliban, of course, over there. That, and you're absolutely right. And you know, unfortunately, it's not just uh, the northwest frontier. This is a problem in Balochistan, another province. It's a problem in Sindh and the Punjab, um, Benazir. Um, was a feudal landlord. Her um, constituents were uh, basically feudal slaves. She brought them in by the busloads to her uh, polling stations and to her rallies to fill up the stands. Um, these people do not have access to health care. Um, they, uh, they are not educated. Feudals do not want them educated because the moment they get become educated, they they stop working the fields. So. Um, you know, in order for society to function and for people to make decisions, what people and the politics and society in Pakistan have to address are basic education and um, civil liberties. These things have to be addressed on a massive scale. And then only will people sort of, uh, you know, throw off the cross of the Taliban, throw off the cross of their feudal landlords and start taking onus for their country mm. and um, taking responsibility of who they are electing and where their religion has been sort of hijacked and uh, being used to, um, you know, condone um, things like suicide bombing. Well, Shahid Mahmood, I want to thank you very much for joining us today. Uh, former editorial cartoonist for Dawn, national newspaper in Pakistan. He's now internationally syndicated with the New York Times Syndicate. Thanks so much, Shahid. You're and, of course, the elections that we've been discussing in Pakistan will take place on February 19th, and we will continue to follow that story.